Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. That's a terrible call. That is a terrible call. Welcome back to the Celtics Pod, part of Celtics Blog. I'm your boy Adam Taylor, your usual host, joined by the usual co-host, Mr. Tim Shields. So, this is, how you doing, Tim? Doing all right, man. Hanging in. Good, good. So, guys, if you don't follow me on Twitter, there's been a bit of a format change to the way we're going to be running this. So, every Monday is going to be a fan phoning. Now, we're going to record that on a Sunday. Today is a bit different because we made this decision late last night, so we needed to give people time to be available if they wanted to call in. And then on a Wednesday, it's going to be we're going to be covering moves that have been happening around the league, um, performances from players that have performed West Coast, East Coast, all over the league. And then on a Friday, you're going to get a mock GM episode where Tim and myself and maybe Brendan are going to be basically pretending to be Danny Ainge, Brad Stevens, and GMs from around the league and taking stock of what the roster's got what moves could be had, who we value highly, who we don't, and so on. So we're going to start this one off. We're just coming off the All-Star game. We've already got a caller. So how are you doing today, my guy? Hey, man. How's it going? How you doing, man? What's your name? Jabari George. How you doing, Jabari? My name's Adam. And then we've got our boy, Tim, who's muted himself. Howdy, man. Welcome on. So, Jabari, what did you think of the All-Star game, my guy? Um... Honestly, I loved it. I really loved it. It was it was different from years past. I feel like the players definitely played harder as the quarters went along, like Chris Paul said they would. And um, it was it was a lot. Now towards the end, they were kind of dragging it out, but all in all, I enjoyed it. Tim, what did you think? I know Tim's made some notes here that are going to be some good discussion points. So let's kick it off with those notes. We'll get Jabari's thoughts on them as well as we go through. Yeah. So this is the first changeover. Uh, as you said before, Chris Paul was part of the uh, NBPA. He's the president. He was the one who helped spearhead this new rule change. Uh, so essentially what they ended up doing is what's called an ELAM ending, uh, which is from Nick Elam. He's a professor at Ball State University. Um, this is some points that I got from the athletic article. Basically, the first three quarters were kind of their own mini games, which were scored separately. Um, so it's a timed portion of the game is played as normal. And at the end of that portion, a set number of points were added to the leading team score to set a target score. That was for the fourth quarter. So the first three quarters, they totaled them up together. But whoever won each quarter got $100,000 to go towards their charity. So that was for each period's winner. And then what ended up happening was it was a 24-point added on to the end of the game. Uh, so that fourth quarter in particular was very, very intense. So basically, every quarter was being played like a separate mini game, which whatever team won that quarter getting $100,000 going to that charity. So LeBron's team won first quarter, Giannis won quarter two, and then quarter three ended in a tie at 41-41 all. And it ended up going into this very intense fourth quarter where they turned off the game clock, and it was just a 24-second shot clock. And at that point in time, like everybody was going all out. These are some of the best athletes on the planet. And this was probably one of the more intense all-star games we've seen in a while. A lot of the pundits saying, like, this is the best all-star game they've seen in the past 25 years. Uh, they set that Eli ending for 24 points in memoriam of Kobe Bryant. 
and it ended with Anthony Davis hitting a free throw to win the game. But that was still a really interesting, fast-paced fourth quarter. Uh, I don't know what your thoughts are on it, Jabari, but I, I personally loved it. Man, honestly, I agree with everything you just said. The fourth quarter was amazing. And just to piggyback on what you said about the, um, the way they were scoring up for the charities with the separate games, I really appreciated that because, one, you're winning $100,000 for your charity. So I think that also might incentivize these players to play harder, show something on the line. And, yeah, the fourth quarter was just typical playoff atmosphere, no doubt. Yeah, and especially that, that Yanis had a block that they ended up looking at and reviewing to see if it was going to be a goaltend. And, I mean, they ended up using at least one challenge and one review in that fourth quarter alone. Uh, but the fact that, like, players yeah, were even serious. involved. Yeah. Right, yeah, it, it was serious. Like, when I saw the coach shots, oh, yeah, they're they're playing to, to win. Yeah, they were arguing so, calls, yeah. too. So the fact you're seeing that in an all-star game is just it, – it's a good it's tribute amazing. to Kobe, too, you know? Right. I would personally say that was one of the best all-stars games I've seen in my life. I'm only 22. I I didn't see – I didn't see the one – it's either 2000 or it was one All-Star game when it had, like, Stephon Marbury or whatever. But they were – it was a good All-Star game. But I, I didn't see that personally. So I could say this one. This ain't my quote. This one is one of the best I've seen, competitive-wise. So the big talking point was how it ended on free throws. How do you guys feel about that? Do you think that should be a rule change to say it has to be a, an open, a normal game time shot to end the game next year? Mm. Is that a question for me or uh, – yeah, for you, you can answer that. If you if it annoyed you, like I saw a lot of heat online saying it was a really good fourth quarter and to end on free throws was kind of anticlimactic. Would you go along with that? Would you prefer it to be oh throws? If it's a free throw, then we're going to move it on to the next field goals. If you score, if you score the next field goal, you win. Well, yeah, my thing is, all right, it was the first year they're doing this, so I'm not upset that it ended on the free throw because like you can't change the rule mid game. But for next year, I would say I would like to see. Uh, the other team get like one possession. Like if you can score and match the score, then we keep playing. But if not, then the game's over. I tend to agree with Does that, that as well. Yeah, no, that totally makes sense. I, I do agree. Yeah. Because this, they were bringing in a lot of different rules, and I remember that yeah. we weren't exactly receptive in the media once these rule changes were proposed for the for the whole All Star game. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, like, well, for, I'll, I'll say for sure at first, when I first heard of the rules, I was kind of iffy about how it would play out because my understanding was, okay, they add the 24 at the end of the cumulative score, but my only concern was, okay, what if it's a blowout? Like, let's say the West, LeBron's team was up 30 points, and let's say, okay, they had a, to get 24 more points, but the game already be over in the fourth, but it wasn't. It was close throughout the game, and, you know, I enjoyed it. That yeah. was my only concern. Yeah, it was my concern too. Uh, I do think one way to deter people from having it end on free throws is maybe make it, it has to be a field goal. Like Adam said, maybe it has to be a field goal or maybe what they end up doing is they, they'll have fouls, but there's no free throws yeah. to, or just award points. Well, for I'll say this. You can't, I was about to use that one. You can't really say not use free throws because it's in the flow of the game. Like once, once the fourth card has started, you, it looked like a real game. Another point, the no commercials, that was a fantastic idea. Whoever thought of that needs a medal because that was amazing. That added to the gameplay. But I'm going back to the free throws. You kind of have to give them the free throws because, like you said, it was a foul on Lowry, so you can't change that. But I would agree with giving the other team at least one possession to match that score. You just see what happens, you know? Maybe yeah. turn up the shot clock, I don't know. But 
I wouldn't, you know, you got, you got to keep it yeah. basketball related. So for sure. Or if you have it end on a three pointer or something like that, that would be interesting. Right. But I do appreciate Anthony Davis missing the first free throw to kind of make it all dramatic. For a second, I did think he was going to miss the second one, and then they keep playing, but it was all good. We all know that wasn't intentional, though, right? He just Oh, no, no. He no. just took that free throw. <laughs> so he says it, but I, I, yeah, I, I was a little skeptical, but what, whatever it was, I, it, it added to it, and I, I enjoyed it. And then obviously Kyrie, Kyrie, Kawhi picked up the first Kobe Bryant MVP trophy that he said that meant a lot to him. I'm hoping that they keep that moving forward now. I know that they're, that's going to be the new name of the, M- the All-Star MVP trophy long-term now, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think that's a permanent fixture now. I mean, I'd hope so. And I like the format, so if they can keep that, then that would be fantastic. The next thing that was... I would like... Go ahead. No, I was, was, was going to agree with you. I like that. The next thing that we wanted to discuss with any caller that called in was the proposed in-season tournament and how the seeding for that's going to work. So Tim and I have got quite similar views on that. So let's get your views. Are you for or against the mid-season tournament? Um, can you give me like a brief, like just run through of how that would work? I'm not completely familiar with that. Yeah, we got a, so uh, essentially this is what was proposed earlier in the season. Uh, originally the, the team governors were going to have a meeting in April, but uh, they popo- they postponed that to a later date, but essentially what it would be is it would start with an eight game home and home round robin against opponents within each division. Then those six division winners plus two wild card teams with the next best record would advance to the quarterfinals with four teams at team arenas. Uh, the semifinals and the finals we probably played in Las Vegas, a neutral site. What oh, what they're trying okay. to. Yeah, yeah. So they're trying to incentivize that this tournament would take place in November and December in the season, and potential bonuses for teams could be a $1 million player bonus for each player and a $1.5 million bonus pool for the winning coaching okay. staff. Um, they're also trying, wow. to, okay. they're trying to implement potentially maybe uh, a draft pick for the winning really? team of the tournament. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Wow. I'm, I'm all for that, especially – Knowing that each player gets a million dollar signing bonus, now, of course that doesn't matter for you know the high paid players, but like for the like the tenth through fifteen guys, that can mean everything for them. That might be more than their whole salary. Yeah, that's that's a big stuff. argument I think, for it too. Yeah. Yeah, so I think I think it'll be competitive. If, if guys are playing for something, we just saw from an All Star game they'll be competitive. Competitive. So if you're talking about draft picks and money, I'm sure those would be very exciting. But um. I just hope they don't – if they do that, I just hope they don't ever change the seating of the playoff. I'm not for 1 through 16. I'm not for that at all. So my, my worry about having a pick as the prize if you win the in-season tournament is, first of all, now, you, now there's an extra player being drafted because you're not going to take a pick away from one of these teams, so it's going to be an additional pick. Oh. So now that starts to – one team's going to have an extra rookie that they're going to be drafting – which is fine, but obviously you're going to want it to be a lottery pick to make it a good incentive. Then are you going to do a runners-up prize? Does the team that finishes as the runner-up get a second-round pick? So now you've now two extra rookies are getting drafted into the league each year. Then you've got to look at the fact, now that's roster construction problems, because if you weren't planning on winning it, but you, you're all of a sudden outside of the playoff race and that extra pick might become valuable, 
but your roster's fully locked in next year or there's only so many small moves you can make, it's going to really limit team construction. How, how do teams then decide whether being competitive in that tournament is valuable or whether they want to tank and be out of the tournament to change their attentions back to the, the normal playoff contention run? Do I go see that? So it, it can cause... Wow. It can cause pros and cons. I mean, Europe, I'm, I'm, obviously, you can tell by my accent, I'm based out in England, so it's a soccer country here, and most of Europe's the same, but their main leagues all run mini tournaments that run alongside the league. So you have, like, in England soccer, you have the FA Cup, and the winner of that gets to go and play qualifying rounds into the European Cup. So maybe... How would that work in the NBA? You can't say if you win this and you're outside of the playoffs, you're going to get seeded into the playoffs because then there's one too many teams. So keeping it incentivized and then thinking about how it affects roster constructions, how many players are in the NBA at a given moment, there's going to be an odd player out at all times if it's just one pick. And if it's two, then two teams are going to have an extra body they're going to have to find room for because it's developmental minutes and people value young guys highly. It, it gets really messy with how you're going to incentivize that. So that's my only, how, how are you going to make that work and how are you going to sustain that long term over the course of the next 10 to 50 years? Yeah. Well, no, go ahead, go ahead. I, I was just going to say, I definitely agree with you uh, in terms of, I feel like these rule changes that they're trying to implement are, are based on trying to help viewership. So I feel like, with the all-star game, they had the successful rule change and a lot of people are really in love with it. The fans and the pundits alike really enjoyed that all-star game last night. So I feel, I feel like that was the best case scenario for the NBA because now they can kind of go ahead and start to ease this conversation over to this in-season tournament. I, I do have to agree with Adam in terms of those picks, how they're going to be valued. I don't know if it's simply... You add another pick because at that point it has to be a lottery pick. Other than that, it's just it's taking up money on your salary or something like that. Or maybe there's some kind of salary cap incentive. Maybe you get a, an extra kind of player exception, which allows you to go get another free agent. I, I feel like there are more things they could do with the cap as opposed to draft picks. That would be more of an incentive. Maybe they get a trade exception worth $10 million that they can use to go out and get another player to add to their team. But Either way, I think there are a lot of changes that the NBA are considering. And I think this in-season tournament, they've got some details to figure out, but a lot of teams seem to like the idea. I mean, a lot of teams yeah, like I'm, the idea because it keeps, it keeps extra basketball happening and it gives, it gives teams that aren't t- championship contenders or that are very fringe players. Like Charlotte Hornets are a great example. It gives the Charlotte Hornets a reason to play. They, they might start prioritizing that. If there's a pick at the end of it and Charlotte are notoriously a fringe playoff team, terrible team year in, year out, then rebuilding teams, it gives them another route to extra talent by being competitive in that one specific market. It, it isn't now just championship or bust. There's a route to get that extra pick. So now you've got two first round picks so it would make it competitive that way. But again, it's just the landscape of how many rookies are coming into the league increasing. The, and then that's going to be pushing out some of the more fringe rotation players that are experienced. So how that, it's just how they navigate that that really, to me, doesn't make sense at the moment. Jabari, what do you think they could do to try and incentivize it? Or what, do you, what is your opinion on the whole pick situation? 
Man, I've been trying to listen to both of you, and y'all are making great points, and I agree with them, but my thing with the picks is, okay, you have the tournament. Would they? Would it be possible if the winner could swap picks with that that team? So instead of adding a whole another pick, how about you just get the the you know the rights to to swap picks? So Ooh, you brought you brought I like up Charlotte. That. I like that. Yeah, Charlotte could be playing. Let's say another mid level team like Charlotte in the West. They could be playing. Um, I can't even think of nobody. They could be playing the Kings. Let's say Charlotte wins. They could then swap picks swap picks with the Kings. Let's say the the Kings get a lottery pick. Okay, now Charlotte could switch with them. You know what I'm just saying? Without having, because you do bring up a point. If you have to add extra rookies, well, first of all, GMs like Danny Ainge would love that because you know we stash every rookie in the world on our roster and call it the bench. But you know that's a topic <laughs> for another day. <laughs> but um, yeah, if you have to draft another player, then one you would have to add to the draft, and that could complicate things because, like you said, you have to pay the rookie, and two you have to create a roster spot. How would that work? So I think the simplest way would be to just have the right to swap picks, but yeah, this is a, this is a very complicated uh, way they would have this tournament going. I think, you know, they would have to take their time with, but like you said, the all-star game was a success. So this will give them time to open up this conversation and really get down to like the nitty gritty of how this would all work. I think a pick swap is interesting because it could deter other teams from tanking. So as Adam said, if right. you're a team that's on that cusp, you know, if you're almost outside looking in, you know, if you're a ninth or a tenth seed, do you potentially try and try and win the tournament in order to avoid, you know, a team being able to swap picks with you? So that's I like the that, idea of a pick swap. Is, I, yeah. Hmm. I there do, was yeah. there is that's going to make the dominant teams more dominant. It's going to remove a bit of the parity. Yeah, the way the league's constructed at the moment is the worst team. Oh yeah, are the best player. So then, if the big teams really start prioritizing that, then all of a sudden some of the worst teams are being forced to swap their pick with a team that was a finals contender in the previous season. Now they get the number one draft pick. One, rookies aren't going to be getting the minutes to develop the way they would on a rebuilding roster. And two, you're removing that that parity across the league. It, it becomes kind of like soccer at that point then where the big teams stay big and the other teams just become feeder teams. So it would be good in terms of intensity during the, the finals of that that mini league but it would also become very negative if like say the Clippers were to win the next two or three years straight and then get the, the, a lottery pick every oh year. that would be that'd be scary yeah we don't we don't want that so how about this how about this because that's a great point how about make the tournament between the lower like you said the nine to ten seeds and then just have them play each other because you don't want the Lakers playing the Hawks and then the Lakers get the second overall pick and draft Lamella Ball <laughs> I understand That'd be crazy. The problem with that is then if you're only letting the lower end teams play, it becomes viewership. People Are people really going to tune in to see a tournament oh, played by the bottom feeders? All right. You're right, man. See, that's what I'm saying. This, that's complicated. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I agree. It gets crazy complicated crazy quickly because every good point that you can put out to make it interesting and make the tournament viable also has like huge repercussions league-wide in how it affects like yeah exactly yeah, you don't right. want the Clippers to go and win next year when and then draft LaMelo Ball re-up on Kawhi and PG and then win again the year after and draft whoever and now they're just a juggernaut for the next 20 years yeah right that's there's me worry for me yeah there's major implications with it too uh, another side to that as well is if you're looking at the conversation about player fatigue and load management 
how, how does a team look at an in-season tournament like that if they're trying to make a deep playoff run? You have to make sure that teams are still wanting to take part in this tournament and also not throwing it. But you also don't want players to get burned out or you don't want guys getting hurt, you know, in November right. or December of a, you know, 82 game season. So some of the other rule changes they propose will somewhat affect that. You know, they're talking about changing over to a, a 78 game schedule. And there is a possibility if they do this in game tournament, it could change over to 83 games. Um, they also are talking about doing a play-in tournament for the seventh and eighth seeds in each conference, giving seeds nine and ten a chance to make the playoffs, as well as oh, race- with the tournament. Yeah, well, it's it was part of the rule changes, so I, I ended up pulling up an article about it as I was taking notes earlier. So this is some of the other rule changes they're talking about, including the in-season tournament, but also talking about doing some reseeding with the playoffs, including reseeding the final four playoff teams to get the two best teams in the finals beating that two teams from the same conference could play in the championship round, including like, let's say Clippers Lakers. Okay. So, so here's an idea. Of, to play for the finals. Here's an yeah. idea off the top of my head. And this is based on again on Europe. I'm, I'm not a soccer fan, by the way, but when we're talking about mini leagues, then it kind of makes sense. How about we do as the NBA, they do a best of the world mini league where there's qualifying rounds between NBA teams and qualifying round against Euro league teams. And then the winner of, each like bracket plays each other for the for like a a special ring and it's a chip of best in the world so then you'd have like um Real Madrid versus LA Clippers or something like that it's bragging rights between the because with the growth of the Euro League that would be great for getting close up looks of these Euro guys as well oh wow well you could do like group stages right where you have like um two NBA teams and two Euro teams are in a group they each play each other the team the two teams that win um, so it's a round robin. So the two teams that come out of that group go into the next bracket and the next bracket. So every NBA team would play against the EuroLeague team, and then you'd run it just like a playoff bracket. But you'd run it. Best well, this of would one. be a, this would be an in-game, uh, in-season tournament. Well, they'd have to work out the logistics due to the flights and the way, and that would be the hard part there. But it it also does wonders in growing the league because then European guys are going to have to up their game because that's their route into the NBA, being scouted against NBA-level talent in a competitive game. And it also... Right. So it's just an idea, but I feel like that idea might... I, I like it. I like it. That's That's kind of dope. But my thing is, whatever whatever changes are coming, because I think we can all agree that changes are coming. They got to bring this season down from 82 games. I think it's just, I think it's just too much because we obviously see that the teams don't really care to play all these games with load management. So my thing is, just cut the season down like maybe 10 games, or is that is that too much? Tag? I I don't know. I just think that 82 is just too much because if it's not your team playing, most times out of night you're not watching an NBA game unless it's like. Bucks, Clippers, or you know the you know the stars playing. You're not watching the Charlotte versus Atlanta on League Pass like that, you know. Yeah, even if it's the only game on, then I'll probably pull it on just to watch it. But it's not something just, to, just to distract you. That's it. Yeah, it's white noise. <laughs> but for sure, I mean, yeah. if you're doing an in an in season tournament, then the regular season does need to be reduced, as you say, load management. These guys, they might be superhuman in terms of athletically and genetically. But they're still going to get tired. You're going to be removing intensity away from the playoffs because these guys have played an extra 15 games during the regular season. So that's something to look at. Exactly. What I want to do now is we're going to go to a quick break. And when we're back, I've got a 
draft and stash prospect that I'd like to bring forward to you guys and see how you guys want to move forward with the Celtics current draft picks in the summer. Okay, and we're back. So somebody sent me a, an article from the stipend.com and it was pointing out a Euro guy whose name is very difficult to pronounce, which is generally the way it goes. Uh, his name is... I'm still yeah, I've got to pronounce it. That's the hard part. I'm just trying to figure out how to pronounce it. It's Pokozewski. Pokozewski. So he's playing at the moment. He's 17, coming on 18. He's a seven-foot big that can stretch the floor, rebound, and rim run. At the moment, he's playing for one of the top teams in the EuroLeague. His primary abilities are... Okay, so here we go. He's averaging three blocks a game at 12.2% contested shots converted into blocks. So there's his defensive upside. He's also averaging about 12 rebounds a game. He's dropping threes from all over the place. He, he's also very good at driving into the lane. He's got good body control for his height. And he's got the only thing is really with him, just flicking through my notes on him now, is his lateral quickness does need work. Obviously, being big, that big, you're going to be a bit gangly. He's still quite thin as well, so you get bodied. But at 17, he's a project that could be worth taking a flyer on with one of these draft picks that they've got. And then stashing him for maybe a year, two years while he grows. He does look like a similar build, like a similar type of player to Paul Zingas, but maybe a little bit more polished coming in if you gave him another year or two. Would you guys be willing to draft and stash for a guy like that that's a project big, but that can stretch the floor, rim run, and defend the rim? How tall is he? Seven foot? Seven two. Seven two, and he's actually seven two. Yeah, he's skinny. How much does he weigh right now at 17? Let me pull that up. And when and when is and when is he eligible? One ninety. He's yeah, he's one ninety. He plays uh he plays for Olympiacos. He's from. Oh, Serbia. he's seven foot tall and seven three wingspan. That's it. Seven foot three. When can he? When can he? When is he eligible? Eligible for the draft? They can draft and stash him in this twenty. Year. Yeah, this year, and then he'd be uh you'd be looking at bringing him over in twenty twenty two. So he'd get okay. another two years of development time in, in, but he'd be under Boston's control for that time. Is, are, are we have we have we been looking at him? Or are you asking me what I what I take a look at him in? Well, I'm just saying with the amount of draft picks that the team has, and considering the fact that right. there's no roster space really, they need to make some move somewhere with the draft. They do. This is a guy I, that. I, if he, yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say this is a guy that they could spend a pick on and then stash him away and let him develop. But at the moment he's one of the most on, he's one of the best bigs under 18 in the entire of Europe at the moment. Wow. I love that. Well, um, I definitely would considering, like you said, we could draft him and stash him and not have him on the active roster. Let him get stronger, get, get better. Cause right now we have Taco Fall who we're developing right now, who I think Damien just sold on, you know, since they, they keep him on the roster. I would develop Taco, and then what if he can? If he seven foot can shoot the three, block shots and rebound. I mean, just just imagine. Let's just let's just play 
that was that kid. You have Taco Fall starting in a couple of years when he went high to play basketball at seven five, and he's more mobile than people think he is. I don't know where people got this notion that Taco Fall can't move. He in the garbage time he plays. Granted, it is garbage time. He moves pretty well for a big. So I am so low on Taco Fall. It's unbelievable. Thank you, thank you. I like you. First, I've been like you. Yeah, you, you, you are right with me. And then having this guy coming off the bench, shooting threes, and, and they're both seven foot. I would hell yeah. Because right now we don't need any guards. We don't need any wings. Yeah, that's my thinking. I mean, there's two options really. They're either going to package those picks together and move up in the draft. But if they, if they can do that and still have a pick spare that they can. That, I mean, we're, we're talking in a vacuum here because Pukoveskin needs to declare for the draft before they can even decide whether to do that. He might feel better served staying in Europe and working his way up to where he'd be a lottery pick, which he has the potential to do in the next year or two. Coming, if he was to declare in two years, he's still only 19 with an extra two years of development under his belt. Um, so he's a name that you'll probably hear moving forward if he carries on with his trajectory. If he did declare this year, then he'd probably be a low first round pick or mid second round just because he's unknown. He's young. He's a project. There's no telling where he's going to kind of fall in the developmental trajectory, but it is what are you going to do with all these picks? Do you want to package them and move up? You can't use all of them. It's physically impossible. That's why people call in for that pick, those two picks for Belitsa. Well, we, we missed that opportunity, but, um, I, after reading all the Bleach Report and all the articles, I understood why Danny didn't make a move because if, if it's not going to work out in the long term, like you don't, you don't see. First of all, I was, I was hoping with every, uh, every penny in my body that we get Bertans. My thing is, I'm not, I'm not upset that we don't play a traditional big man. I like Grant Williams. Grant Williams has surprised the hell out of me this year. I wasn't sold on Romeo Langford, but these last couple games that he got to start, I think he dropped 16 against Orlando. He's been showing some promise. You know, we still we still don't really have a, another guard come off the bench besides Marcus. But I was really hoping we get David Bertone. I think we just need a catch-and-shoot guy who can just knock down threes. We have a lot of guys who can create, but we just need that guy who can just catch-and-shoot, knock it down, and we get going. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Or, or, or Ben Alisa from, um, from uh, Sacramento. Either one. Yeah, and I, I think the real reason why the Celtics didn't make a move is just because of the, the financial implications. They just don't have a lot of salary to move around in order to make these deals happen. I think it's far more likely right. that you see them package these picks together to move up in this draft, or you see them trade picks this year and like a player to get someone who's going to add to their roster, or they're going to kick the cane down the road and trade for like future first round picks. So like flipping their own pick this year. Uh, to a team that needs a first round pick because they don't have one in a trade. So you go ahead and you trade for a pick swap, you know, three years down the line. That seems to be what the overall motivation has been with a lot of these deals. No one expected the Grizzlies pick uh, to to convey this year. But when we first got it before it was, Hey, you know, in a few years, it's going to be unprotected. Yeah, exactly. So hopefully, hopefully I hate rooting against them, man, because I really like John Morant, but we'll see what happens with that. I, I know, I but it's like, just, just suck this year so we can get y'all picked, and then y'all can do whatever y'all want after this year. Yeah, Sacramento screwed us over last year, so hopefully something better will happen this year. But uh, fingers crossed with these picks. You know, I, I, I like the idea of getting a mobile big man, and even if it means we got to develop him for a few years, the one thing that we need is a guy who can run the floor and hit threes. 
Right. And at seven and foot, give me a seven foot guy that can shoot the three all day. We've seen what sort of impact they're having on the league at the moment. Larry Markinen, Kristaps Porzingis, and guys like Doncic oh are making people look over to Europe uh, a little bit more frequently. So there are the opportunities right. there. I mean, this guy's just, this was literally just an article that uh, a guy that speaks to me on Twitter actually just DM'd me. Like, hey, what do you think of this guy? Um, I'll actually post this article when I post the podcast so people can read it. Uh, he looks legit to me. If he declares and he's, he's able to be a stra- uh, draft and stash prospect, then I think that's actually going to be a good move under the assumption that he does continue to develop the way he is at the moment. Sometimes with these guys, they'll get drafted and stashed and they think that their job's done and they're counting down the days till they're in the league and their development starts to slow down dramatically. So it all depends on what sort of his ment- what mentality he's got. And that's not something that the draft report's really going to say. Everybody reacts to that sort of thing differently. You see with high-level draft picks as well, Andrew Wiggins got drafted. Everybody, you know, Maple Jordan's the nickname. Everybody thought he was going to be this fantastic guy. But the attitude's all wrong, and he just hasn't developed the way people wanted him to. So that's something that doesn't always show up on the scouting report. Right. Tim, is there any rookies? Any rookies you guys are super hyped on? Or is there anyone in the draft that you'd like the Celtics to be focusing on at the moment? I'm kind of hoping RJ Hampton drops. And then I was also looking at a recent draft projection. Uh, Brendan had shared it, and I ended up someone ended up posting the projected picks on there. And I think it was Cole Anthony was going to slip to number 11 potentially and fall to Sacramento. So who knows, maybe... Maybe, just maybe, the Grizzlies can stink it up a little bit, just barely miss the playoffs, and hopefully we can get into that top 10, top 12 spot and see what happens. I think if the Celtics can get that Grizzlies pick in that spot, they can manage to package picks up and get as far as they want to in the top eight, I think. The one thing I'd like to see them look for is, obviously, Danny's shooting, and they took a punt on Carson Edwards this year. It hasn't really worked out to this point in time. Whether or not it will's going to wait to be seen. I do feel Carson Edwards is in that Terry Rozier mold where he needs the ball in his hand a lot of the time to be effective. Uh, he needs to be jack- at the minute. He needs to be jacking up what eight shots to probably start scoring regularly, and he's not going to get that on this team. I, I was. I, I'm not gonna lie. I have been disappointed with Carson this year because I was really hyped when we got him. Because one. First of all, I'm upset we traded Matisse Thybul. We see what he's doing on the Sixers, but I was really sold on Carson being like that spark off the bench. But my thing is, yeah, he needs the ball to you know score, but he's a fan. He was a fantastic catch and shoot player in college. You know, coming off screens, just chucking from thirty, like he he has that. So I'm like, I just think he needs more playing time. It's just Danny, not Danny. Uh, Brad is not really playing the rookies like that. I see that he's cut down his um rotation a lot. So I'm guessing he's getting ready for playoffs. But it's like. I just wish these rookies got more playing time early on in the season. I think we would see a better result. I'm, I'm happy with Romeo, though. Is everybody agreeing on Romeo right now? I agree. Romeo has been getting playing time, yeah. And then Taco Fall. Um, whatever Taco wants to do, let Taco do. I don't see him breaking the rotation in Boston at all. I don't. I don't either. But can I, can, let me say one thing real quick. The one guy we always forget to talk about is Shamont Waters. We keep hearing about him killing in the G League, but yet we can't get him no playing time on on the uh, on the roster. So my thing is, 
when we have because we've been having a lot of injuries this year. Why not just play Tremont more minutes and let's see what he could do? So I heard like teams were trying to trade for him at one point. I'm like, yo, if he's that good, let's play him and see what happens. You see, my feeling on that is a two-way contract is only a one-year deal at a time. So at the end of this year, he becomes a free agent again. If they play him and he balls out, then he might get an offer that Boston can't match. Whereas if they keep him kind of, air quotes, under wraps, and they decide to move on from a guy like Carson Edwards or they don't bring back Javante Green or something along those lines, then they can bring in Tremont Waters on a very, very team-friendly contract and then show he, show everybody what he can do when he's under two to three years of Boston control and he's actually an asset. Because at the moment, if, if he was in a trade, his salary doesn't really count against anybody. Again, in the summer, he's a free agent. So the more he balls out now, the more you're basically putting him in the shut window to pro sure yourself, yourself out of being able to put him on the roster next year. Oh, wow. Okay. That's my assumption on why he's not getting like dramatic amounts of playing time. Tim, where do you stand on that? Sorry, repeat that. What do I stand on what? I'm trying on, I'm not getting played. I think it's difficult because you still have a vet in Brad Wanamaker who is contributing, and as we've discussed before, is hitting threes at a pretty good clip. You need to make some kind of – Yeah, I mean, it's tough. And I think Tremont Waters does have a future in this league, and he brings a lot of energy off the bench. But I think until they make some kind of consolidation trade with all these other players they've got on their bench, it's going to be tough to get him in. I would expect him – to maybe get some more minutes towards the tail end of this regular season and then go from there. Right. But I, I think he's going to have more of a long-term role on this team, more so than Carson Edwards, just because Carson, as we talked about, needs to be he shooting the, the ball. ball. Yeah. yeah, and I think, I think Tremont Waters just plays with the right kind of energy and intensity and defensive prowess, especially considering his undersizedness. I think he is he a very plays valuable like a, He piece. plays like a point guard, yeah. Yeah, Carson exactly, more, exactly. Like exactly, and an undersized two at yeah. that. So it'll be interesting to see how they handle their point guard situation and their bench situation going forward. But that's going to be right. something I think that they're going to have to solve in the offseason. Okay, guys, so that pretty much wraps us up for today. Jabari, thank you for calling in, bro. We're going to be doing this every Sunday. Uh, we'll be reco- taking call-ins at 5.30 Eastern. I'll be posting the number okay. on my I'll be posting the number on my Twitter account. Feel free to call back in, in the future. And guys, if you don't follow me on Twitter, then um, follow me because that's where you're going to see the number getting posted every Sunday. I'll usually post out a tweet about it in the morning, and then the number gets generated when I actually start recording, and that's when I'll be able to post the number. The number will change every week. Actually, the number won't change. The meeting ID ID will change. Yeah. Thank you for listening and we'll be back again on Wednesday looking at the league and how that's shaping up at the halfway point of the season. Thanks again, Jabari. Yes, sir, man. Thank you. Thank you, man. It was awesome.